0: Shut
1: After Dark, a podcast about the CW's Riverdale that's really going through it this week. I'm Alex.
0: When you walk through the darkness of a small suburban town, fear grips you. You're surrounded by inky blackness. What's that in the distance? A, a calming, gentle flame. You run toward it to find peace. Oh, it's a chill comic book
1: burning. Uh-oh, I'm Justin. And we are going to be talking about Riverdale Season 7, Episode 13, Chapter 130, The Crucible, directed by, once again, none other than Machen Amick, so very yeah. exciting. Doesn't appear in the episode, but she does appear behind the camera. Behind and the camera.
0: It's hard to do both. It's hard yeah, to do both.
1: Presumably there's a lot of, like, reflective surfaces she got caught in, if you look at, like, mirrors and whatever. Directors yeah, never sure. really care about that stuff. That's sort of how, like, Hitchcock would do that. it would be like, I'm going to ruin the shot. Yeah, he said that was like his catchphrase almost. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, he was like the Animaniacs, except for filming uh, thriller movies. Anyway. He's got a lot of Yakko energy. (laughs) He lived in a water tower. Did you know that? That's a fun fact. It's where they got the the, uh, idea for the Animaniacs. Mm -hmm, Exactly. Anyway, here's some recap about what's going on in Riverdale, because there's a lot of stuff going on at this point. Let's start with Jughead and Ethel. Jughead and Ethel have been working on a comic book together for Pep Comics, based on the murder of Ethel's parents, as well as the fact mm-hmm. that she murdered the milkman who murdered her parents. Which everybody seems to have brushed by and is pretty really much really move past
0: that quickly. Yep. Uh, no notes. <laughs>
1: They created a comic book that, instead of a milkman, had a mailman. They were going to really raunch it up, and their editor, Mr. Fieldstone, was very encouraging of that. We see the blowback of this episode, specifically tying into Dr. Werthers, who works at Riverdale High in some capacity, who has been writing strongly worded letters and essays about the use of comic books and uh, how they tie into the disparaging of youth. I, I don't know what the yeah. phrase is there, but whatever it is. Basically, he's a stand The pollution of their minds, there Alex. You go, there you go. Uh, it ties into Dr. Wortham, who is a real-life figure who railed against comic books and led to the Comics Code Authority, so that's the storyline that we're playing with there. Meanwhile, we could talk about what is going on with... Uh, Cheryl and Tony are dating. That's probably important to know, and Kevin and Clay mm-hmm. are dating. We're in the 1950s, though, so even more so than today. They are not allowed to be out and proud. They're very well aware of that, but it is a struggle that they've been dealing with all season. It's something that definitely comes to a head here. Also, what comes to a head is Archie has been... Writing and experimenting with poetry That's something that he's very interested in In this new semi-rebooted timeline He has been encouraged by Miss Thornton Your favorite character, I believe, Justin
0: Well, you know, last episode I was like Wow, huge Thornton episode And I was so wrong, this is the big Thornton episode, I guess the the Fond farewell, I want to say To
1: Miss Thornton Well, we'll pick Uh. up with her presumably on Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, the next generation Since she's heading over to Greendale Spoiler for what happens in the episode
0: To be a volunteer librarian which mm. is not a cash-heavy yeah, sure. biz by <laughs> I, I don't know what she's got going.
1: Yeah. Well, she'll figure out something. She's scrappy as we know from all of our favorite Miss Thornton episodes. So, yeah, Archie she'll has... likely be murdered in so. <laughs> Absolutely. Perfect. She is going to be eaten by some sort of demon. So the other big thing that we're dealing with this episode, which Veronica very helpfully lays out, but I did a big report on this in high school, so I'm very familiar. Senator Mm -hmm. McCarthy and his witch hunts on communism, he established something called the House Un-American Activities Community, and basically, like Veronica lays out, made-up communists, and it wrecked society for a very long period of time because people, even if there was suspicion, would be arrested, would be thrown in jail, would be questioned, their lives completely ruined. So the show in this episode uses that to kind of blow out into a bunch of other things. With Veronica, for example, it ties into her ongoing storyline with her parents, who we haven't seen so far this season. We finally do get to see them in this episode. We know that Hiram and Hermione are the co stars of a very popular TV show called Omiha, which uh, Veronica hates. So there you go. But she kind of, uh, she's been banished to Riverdale in this episode, as we'll talk about in a second. Hiram shows up and then later on in the episode, Hermione shows up as well. What else do we need to know? Uh, Veronica and Betty. Grew pretty close last episode. That seems to be – That's one way of saying it, yeah. Yes. Well, they definitely expressed a romantic interest in each other the last episode. That doesn't exactly play in this episode, surprisingly. And in fact, we start to get some sparks towards Varchi. In a different way, which this episode from the ship's perspective was an
0: absolute roller coaster. Yes, <laughs> just truly throwing uh, sawdust in the dynamite, pushing us away from mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the expected end games.
1: And I will also throw out there: I mean, there's a couple of other like Easter eggy and return things, but one big thing you should probably know is way back in season one, Archie was sexually assaulted by a lady named Miss Grundy, who is his teacher. Great news, she's back.
0: Well, and I mean, uh, to get into that a little bit, I was like, who is this for? This (laughs) is meant to be a stress, I guess, or Mm -hmm. something, I guess, because it's the it's the ship that the show started with for Archie, the, you know especially back yeah, then, the, it,
1: like very tenuously called ship, I would say. Yeah, but, Well, yes.
0: but I mean, it, I, I use the word short for relationship. It was the relationship mm-hmm. that Archie was certainly the most interested yes. in. It played into the larger plot of the uh, death of Jason Blossom. So like it was a major thing. And for the, you know, back then the lead of Riverdale. And I think that has changed a bit and become much more of an ensemble, but to have Archie having this uh inappropriate relationship with grundy as a main driver for the first season and then to bring her back here she's married and big reveal lives with her husband which i did some googling turns out a lot of married people live with their partner yeah okay so like gotta try this
1: yeah you should really give it a shot it's easier commuting yeah don't you so how do you like do you share the same bedroom or like what do you what do you do do you get like right, a two, bedroom, that apartment? Seems <laughs> two yeah, bedroom apartment? crazy. Two bedroom, exactly. Oh, so. Two bedroom, and
0: then yeah, because you, you can't sleep and you sleep in the same bed with right. someone. Would be crazy. You're you supposed, be oh company. my god, rolling around all over the other place, sharing a blanket? No thanks. Sweaty, sharing a yes. blanket. Exactly. I need my own Yuckie, private
1: blanket. You. Sleeping bag. Sleeping bag, please. Here is my take on this, and I know we're jumping right to the end of the episode here, but I definitely think this was top of my, This was one of the big things that, like, the episode left me with. I agree with you on, I don't know who this is for. I don't know who was demanding to see Miss Grundy again. 100% nothing against the actress, Sarah Hable, who does a good job in the role. I'm glad that she got more work and is coming back. All of that stuff is good. But in terms of Gray Grundy, like I recoiled when I saw it, I was like, oh no, (laughs) oh no. The way that Major Abbott films the reveal it's she's literally behind him like a horror movie slasher and yeah. the camera spins around and reveals her and you're like oh god she's the one replacing miss thornton oh god are we going through this again but my impression is and you know you can say what you want about like the overall should they have brought her back at all probably not but they did so this isn't exactly justice for grundy that's 100 percent not the right way to put it but i do think they were mm-hmm. very specific about like You are worried about this because you know what happened previously. Now we've brought back Miss Grundy. She is married. She is only going to tutor Archie in poetry. That is it. And Archie seems happy about it. We are showing, and maybe I'm being too generous here, but I I take it as part of what they're trying to do with this overall season is show us a way out of the darkness of Riverdale, like give, give yeah. options for these characters. And that's what I took away from it.
0: Well, I think I think of it in a, like a growing up context. Like we, they get to redo a lot of things because of the nature of the time jump that they did and all that. So I think we get to see a more mature Archie, a more mature show. a more, maybe everyone a little bit more understanding, making different choices because things have changed. So I think that's really interesting. The show, this episode, especially is dealing with a lot more mature themes and like, pushing through, finding it, like making us scared about what's happening. Mm-hmm. And then the characters are going to move through it, I think, over the course of the rest of the season. So that's really cool. Also, I think the more we pull away, and I'm trying to not be a Barchy head here, but the more they pull away from the expected and gained ships, the more exciting it will be when they move toward them. Mm-hmm. And that, that that goes true for Bughead as well, if that's what uh, your preference is, because that's, you know, we don't get any of that here. The closest we get to a Barchie scene is Archie and Betty sharing a, a scene in from the right. Uh So
1: this to me, just from a ship perspective, almost felt like one of those classic Riverdale, hey, have they seen the last episode? Yeah. Uh, episodes, you know? <laughs> and uh, I don't know. We'll see how it all ties together and everything. But I think like, I was very surprised about the Varchi thing. I was very surprised about not following up on Veronica at all. I felt like things were heading very clearly in a very steady progression over the course of the first 10 episodes, and I feel like we're getting some wild swerves and twists here. We'll see how that pads out. We still do have a bunch of real estate in Riverdale time to go, but like you said – I'm surprised that we got a Varchi kiss because that didn't seem to be on Veronica's agenda at all. I am surprised that we didn't touch on Varchi. I am surprised that we didn't touch on Veronica. Let's see what happens. I guess. I don't well, know. the
0: show turns on a
1: dime, and yeah. this like we went from absolute
0: nothing in the Varchi department to like they're just having a pretty like a nice conversation. Like, hey, cool scene today. Then it's like, oh, chemistry! Oh, let's do this! And Archie's sort of like, huh? I like that. So he's he's being Archie, and of course, it's it's the whole point of the show is that it could go any which way, It just depends on where we uh, are headed and where we end.
1: Well, and it also doesn't uh, probably help. I mean, I see uh, we'll see what obviously like the reaction is, but with all of the stuff coming out over the past week with the wrap of the show, like it did officially wrap. It took a couple more days than we expected, but it ended up wrap up this past Monday. Yes. And we got
0: personal confirmation from Lily
1: Reinhardt on Twitter, We did, Yes, we so did. So that's, that's the only yeah, confirmation. It was breaking news directly to us, so that was nice. Yeah. Um, we, yeah, we did tweet out because there were several days where it was like, I think it's ending today. I think it's ending today. And we put out like, probably on Twitter. And she was like, yes. <laughs> yeah. And she clearly was getting fed up because there were a bunch of those viral tweet accounts who over several days were like... Riverdale has wrapped forever after seven seasons. And then the next day I'd be like, well, here we are back <laughs> filming again. So they put out a bunch of my point though was they put out a bunch of very emotional videos, but of course, people are looking at it to be like, oh my God, is this the last scene? Is this how it's ending? Certainly a lot of people have been plumbing into the fact that it was Lily Reinhardt, Cole Sprouse, and Madeline Patch were the last three main cast members. I think. I think Drew to yeah. Ray Tanner was also maybe there the last day as well, and they just didn't mention it for whatever reason. But there are a bunch of videos that I thought were very sweet of both Lily and Cole giving speeches to everybody. But of course, the shippers are looking at it with very different eyes. They're like, "Oh, okay. I mean,
0: it raised my eyebrow that they are on the last day." But
1: yeah, well, there's that. Easy. There was also one I think of Betty and Veronica on the same side of the bench at Pops. And that's certainly, like, given the whole Veronica storyline, people are like, are we going to get a wild swerve here? Is this going to end with Veronica? So I don't know. I I don't mind it. I, it gives me, like, a little bit of a thrill of, yeah, maybe we're going to get back to anything could happen. Because I enjoyed the fact that we were getting the steady progression over the first half of the season. But if they shake things up, that's classic Riverdale as well.
0: Well, and also, like – Endgame is such a, it's, it became everything we talk about with this, but the natural state of these characters and the natural state of the show is for them to not be in any relationship. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a, also a chance, and I'm sure it's a tempting chance as a creative on the show to be like, no, they should all be hanging out together, making eyes at each other, because that's what it is. That's mm-hmm. what the show is always is like never knowing where you, who you might be kissing next and suddenly have a big, intense chemistry with. So like, there's a huge chance that that's what could be. And maybe we'll have to be satisfied with whoever makes the last eye contact
1: or whatever. <laughs> uh, again, I'm going to push my agenda. It's going to be KJ Apa turning to the camera and looking directly at us, the viewer. Yeah. And-,
0: and it's kissing the camera, kissing the screen. And we have to kiss the screen. Mm-hmm.
1: And then the show announces, "It's you, Alex. You kiss KJ Appa! You're with him." Yeah, they can use AI to say everybody's names personally. I think. Yeah, that's how it works.
0: Hey, Alexander Zalbin, you are. (laughs) You are
1: game. Kill me. <laughs> Whoa, the
0: AI really went rogue in there.
1: <laughs> Well, I guess we'll see what happens to that. What do we jump into this a show
0: moves too fast for my artificial
1: intelligence? <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned for a all new America's funniest dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, what don't we actually get into plot lines? Because there are some very meaty plot lines in this episode. Uh you want to talk about well, I guess we could talk about like the main storyline in terms of communism, like Miss Thornton. Miss Thornton. Yeah, well, we, yes. I guess
0: we already covered Thornton, but um, you know, it was my it well, was, was the biggest story
1: Most yeah. of the rest of this podcast for the next two hours is going to be talking about Miss Thornton.
0: Yeah, Thornton after dark. <laughs>
1: well, basically, like like I was saying earlier, they use communism as this frame, but it's a not an excuse, but a, a way in to talk about a lot of other types of attacks and prejudice and things yeah. like that so you got this communism thing that's something that's thrown out there by clifford blossom we got to see penelope blossom briefly as a teacher which is pretty ridiculous
0: well just on that i was like they're like this miss thornton is uh too much of a threat to our children and then penelope walks in straight up like an x-men villain in like black <laughs> and red leather she's like Hello, children. It's like Cruella DeVille, but she makes trying to make a teenager skin coat. Uh, it was uh, made me laugh that they're like, you're and she takes over for 30 seconds before uh, Grundy yeah. comes in. Before, uh, sorry, if Hiram comes in and then Grundy takes over.
1: Well, the other thing this ties into, which I thought was really. Interesting was the whole class has to give these monologues in front of everybody, yeah. and they're doing them from real plays. We find out that Juliet is a terrible actor thanks to Hiram's coaching, which is a fun I love little, that. Scene. Very fun. Bit. Hiram's like he's like, hey, hey, bro, what's with you? Are you yeah. a man? He's like, yeah.
0: He's like, no, you're not. You're no man. <laughs> Just absolutely. Yeah, gross everybody's
1: sick. losing it. Cheryl is laughing hysterically. Has to put her head down on the desk. So that's great. But you've got this interesting thing where like, and. I don't know how you play something like this, but you are an actor playing a part, playing another part, you know? Yeah. Um, And I wonder how much that plays into it. And the reason I say is, like, Veronica's monologue is very much, to me, Veronica doing the monologue. Like, that is her performing it. But the way that KJ Apa performs that monologue from The Crucible, to me, I didn't get necessarily get any Archie there, so much as the emotions that Archie is going through. But legit, that, like... Got be a little teary-eyed when I was watching it? That was an incredible yeah. performance of The Crucible.
0: Well, yes. And I, just watching that, I was like, oh, this is just from a KJ Apa acting perspective. I was like, this is hard. He has to capital A act in character, delivering a very intense, you know, it's not Shakespeare like Veronica ends up, but it's, it's on that level of Words with a huge amount of weight behind them. And he does really crush it. He brings the heat. And I love the way they shot it too, because we see him and we see the power he's doing, but then we cut to everyone's faces and they are just like braced. They're just like shocked Mm -hmm. by the intensity of it. And then it inspires Cheryl to go down and not name names. And I thought it was just a great, like greatly constructed A great performance to all of that, but just a great plot progression of having Archie just crush his monologue so much so that Cheryl made her point that she'd been Mm -hmm. wanting to make, but didn't have the
1: the push. Well, and to loop back to something earlier in the season that we talked also a little bit of the last episode of the podcast, I think like as much as I really didn't like the Cheryl-Archie relationship and got very uncomfortable about points of that, setting up the fact that Cheryl and Archie have a connection in this timeline and having that pan out in different ways in a way where, I don't know if Cheryl would have been as affected by what happens with Archie if they didn't have that bond from earlier yeah. in the season. So it really worked for me, I'm spurring her on to do that.
0: Well, and it feels like, because we don't ever see many scenes of them being like, hey, what's up? How are you feeling? It's very much like an understanding It's almost like a distant, you know, eyes meet and be like, you're going through something or like, I see you, I feel what you're feeling Mm -hmm. and I'm going to take it and and move it forward.
1: Well, and uh, just to take this one step further, and then we can move on to something else. I think the other thing that really helps is it helps the feeling of connection between the storylines. Something that we've often pointed out is lacking in Riverdale where you have all of these different trains running. So having those little moments where The characters riff off of things that happened with them previously that weren't in their own individual trains, but I don't know, cross the trains or whatever you want to call it. I think it's just what good you want fun. to do is cross the trains, yeah. Is that what they say in Grossbusters? Don't cross the streams, but cross them trains,
0: yeah. Grossbusters, which Gross. is that's your like uh Ew. garbage pail kids uh-huh. <laughs> version, <laughs> of yeah. It's all just stay puffed, explosion,
1: mm-hmm. uh, great. Great. We, we know, know what are talking about. Uh, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Well, this ties into Veronica's storyline, which is the big returns in the episode. Hiram comes back ah. to Riverdale. At first, he's like, I'm just here to visit my daughter. It's all good. Want to see your movie theater? I love it. Everything's great. But of course, he has more of an agenda. And it's specifically, he went to, uh, how does he pronounce it? Cuba? Cuba. Cuba. Yeah. He goes to Cuba, and he was uh, had pictures taken of him hanging out with Vidal Mastro, was a revolutionary at the wow. time. Just amazing work here. Is there a reason they couldn't use Fidel Castro? Like I feel like they're very willy-nilly with them. They mentioned a, like they mentioned McCarthy in this episode. Yeah. but then they use Fidel Mastro. But I don't know, whatever, it's fine.
0: I, I agree. I was very surprised why the need to do that. Or I guess, are they saying C- Castro is like a brand that they are just hiding a little <laughs> bit? Like, like when they changed the name of Chips and stuff?
1: It's yeah, not- well, they had uh, the fake candies on that newsstand that Jughead and Ethel go to, which we'll talk about yeah. that story later in a second. Um, so, yeah, again, inconsistent, but it's fine.
0: That scene for Jughead exposed himself famously as a real ice freak.
1: You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> oh, I
0: know! Like crazy for ice, extra ice. The only mm-hmm. teenager ever to ask for
1: extra ice. He loves that ice. If he sees an ice bucket, Jughead be sticking his head in it. Uh, That's sort of true. Yes. Uh, great to see Hiram, Hiram again.
0: Like I like his energy that he brings to the show. Uh, he's such a villain, even when – like, he doesn't do much villainy here. He almost mm-hmm. – he just gets rolled by Veronica, basically, over the course of the episode. So, like, it's funny that he has – he still has that energy when he's just, like, sort of her punching bag throughout mm-hmm. the the episode. I wanted to shout out the uh, – he went to, to Cuba and is – um, having an affair with a woman, a blonde woman named Kelly, which is yeah. clearly Kelly Ripa, his real
1: world wife. I, was like, I don't know if the I pictures like, were. I wasn't able to tell by looking at them closely enough, yeah. but yes, very funny when he said that out loud. Uh, also, we got to see Glenn back again. Yeah. That was Glenn, right? Uh, I, it, I, looked, I had to look a couple of times,
0: but yes, I think it was just a 1950s upped Glenn. Yes, exactly. Uh, and if you bre- saw... You, Oh yes, well, I saw the cat briefcase. You did if you see look the in cab the back briefcase. of the car. Okay, uh, you could definitely see it back there, and you could just hear. Listen really close. Play it back. Can you hear a faint meow coming from the briefcase. Oh, wow. And the meow is one of those, like, I'm really happy in this um, unit, this cat briefcase unit. Uh, mm-hmm. I would never want to be anywhere else. And just for those of you that don't know, a cat briefcase, Please. something we've talked about a lot, on a lot, is a briefcase where you can put your cat, and on one end you have food to feed it, and on one end you have um, kitty litter to, mm-hmm. uh, to catch the, um, the poop. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, and the only trick with the cat briefcase, and I should have said this, and it'll be written in the instructions when we eventually sell them, is you got to make sure you put the cat in the right way
1: because you, oh, okay, yeah, you don't want to put it in what? Because it has a hard time wiggling around if it's, it's hard, hard to time. turn around in a cat yes. briefcase. Yes. Uh, yeah, I heard and saw that as well. So glad <laughs> is back. Sound at, off in the comments. You yes. guys all did too. So Glenn is back as the FBI agent, which was fun. It was a fun riff to see him there. I also really liked the shot of Archie seeing Veronica getting picked up by Gled outside of the school and his reaction Ah, to that being like, I love that. He just goes Veronica, (laughs) just the quietest
0: little Uh, Veronica. Yeah. Uh, was very funny. And like, when I saw that, I was like, what a weird little moment. But I guess that sort of sets up the Varchi moment later that he's at least I got eyes on I think so.
1: They're working very hard to recreate a connection between them. No insults of Varchi shippers at all. But we haven't been in that space for a very long time this season. So yeah. that is reestablishing the connection there, I think. And then leading up to that surprising kiss later in the episode in the middle of school. Um where she kisses his cheek, and then they pause, and then they have kiss, and it's a good kiss, mind you. Yeah. But it definitely feels like it comes out of nowhere.
0: Yeah, Uh, to them as well, to the characters. Like they were just like, what the like the cheek kiss is just like friendly, and then they look at their mouths are close, and they're like, Mm -hmm. you know what? Let's go ahead and give it a main main line, a, a grid kiss right here.
1: Yeah, I mean to follow the Varchi shipper line of thinking, I think that's a good argument to be made of. Oh, they have a connection that is too strong. No matter what in any timeline, I'm sure people are like that's them getting their memories back, and their emotional memories back. And it's entirely possible, but more than anything, I'm curious to see where this goes because I was not expecting it going into the episode. And now I think that throws a bunch of wrenches in a bunch of relationships, but we'll see if they follow them up not at all. Next episode. Yeah.
0: It could be, it could be anything really. Um, while we're talking about Cuba, I thought it was interesting Cuba. that Cuba, Cuba comes across in multiple storylines. Mm-hmm. And, with uh, the featherhead uh, Werther's thing of like, it's happening in Cuba, it's happening in Riverdale. The classic domino <laughs> plan mm-hmm. that, that America was worried about in uh, the age of...
1: of well, I will say though, that is, obviously I was not alive in the 1950s, but from everything that I've read and studied that is exactly what happened, that people freaked yeah. out about it on a very local basis. and They do the same thing with literally any sort of scare. They're like, oh my God, this thing happened one million miles away. It could happen here. We got to shut it down. And... That's that's how fear spreads. Like, that is the point yeah. of the episode. So uh, you're absolutely right to make fun of it because it's very silly and it's played to be silly. But at the same time, it legit is a real thing that happened at the time.
0: Well, like, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, it is. it feels like a Riverdale plot to be like communism, Cuba, Riverdale. We got to burn these comics. But that happened in the real world. <laughs> right? Also, exactly. it's not just a Riverdale plot. It's mm-hmm. a America plot.
1: Yeah. Now, to jump over to that, talk about the Jughead Ethel thing a little bit. Jughead and Ethel find out that their comic has been banned. However, there's a bunch of comics that Fieldstone just leaves kind of hanging there, so they steal them and end up selling them on a comic book black market inside of okay. Pop's Diner. Which I love that. Feels like an ideal circumstance to me. Like, selling comics to people on the black market, you get to hang out over the diner. That's my and dream you can job. T-
0: hundred percent like the way they'd run it like a speakeasy with him getting the money, tapping the quarter, Ethel hands the comic. I I love that. And Jughead is like crown on sunglasses dipped down on his nose. He is living the dream until those motherfucking adventure scouts come through <laughs> with their fascist camping regime and bust the comic sale.
1: Unbelievable. Yep. I mean, it does continue Sheriff Keller using children to do his work because he can't actually do any sort of copying himself.
0: They need to hire a deputy, an adult deputy. Adult deputy?
1: (laughs) That seems unreasonable.
0: I know. Why is is Keller farming out? First off, he's working for the principal that like Mm -hmm. 70 year old principal is like, what do you need, boss? And then he, whenever he has something he has to do, he hires uh, a much smaller community organization or child to handle the actual detective work, Yeah, uh, which is wild. Um, I also wanted to shout out the, they built this beautiful newsstand set mm-hmm. at the beginning of the episode on down the street. So nice. And it's in the scene for like 20 seconds like, we don't sell comics here, kid. And they just get bounced. End of set. I was like, I did wow. like
1: that actor. That actor was definitely like, I've got one minute, and I'm going to make it work. This is, yeah. this is going straight up a reel. That's a hundred percent true. Yeah, and it works. Okay. Uh, let's talk about the Cheryl, Tony, Kevin, Clay storyline. I know we touched on that a little bit, but I thought that was very nuanced. You know, very well done in terms of this ongoing thing they're dealing with. Of when can we be out? Can we be out? If we are pretending what they do in this episode is basically like they switch couples to pretend to be straight, which obviously they're not. Yeah. And we get Coney and Chevin. We do. And they play all that, but wrestling with the fact of like how how can you be your authentic self when society can't let you be that? Yeah. I I like the fact that they're actually having conversations about it. Like they're not just barreling ahead and being like, well, see, this thing happened. Instead it's the characters actually talking about it and wrestling with it emotionally and trying to figure out what it means. Um, I thought it was well done.
0: I agree. I really like the way this was handled like really earnestly and in a real way. I love the needle drop. Why must I be a teenager in love? Great song to have them walking down the hallway to, And then. When Cheryl uh, gets juiced up by Archie's monologue and goes in and she's like, I will never sign this and drops a little toodles to button it up. Just mm-hmm. a great power move, uh, sort of bringing all of the the emotional conversations they've had together and giving her a classic
1: Cheryl button uh, was great, I thought. Yeah. Uh, what else? I feel like we've skipped by a lot of stuff in the episode. Well, let's talk Betty
0: mm. uh, in this. She it doesn't have a ton going on, but uh, she goes to um, – the the Blue and Gold is being shut down. And so she goes rogue and uh, creates a pamphlet, the Teenage Mystique, uh, and a her nom de plume, the girl next door. Uh, I, so I think what, and at the end of the episode, she finds out that she has a mailbag for the letters. And I think this is all setting up what we've been talking about a ton. That the youth revolt is happening. Betty, I think, is going to be the leader here. Jughead is going to sort of have his, like, the anti-comic book take. He and Ethel are going to be sort of handling that. Archie, I don't know exactly where he falls in, but he wants to be able to write poetry. I think he's going to find a mentor in Grundy's husband, perhaps, mm-hmm. uh, which feels... Uh, like an interesting Weird. twist. Yeah.
1: I wanted more out of the Betty storyline because I really liked where it was going. And then I completely forgot about it for the bulk of the episode. And then it came right in with the end when she got that sack of mail. Um, I, I I don't know. I, in another world, that feels like the sort of thing that could have been the thread that binds everything together throughout the episode. But clearly they wanted to go for the monologue stuff instead, because that was the main thing that's driving it, which is fine. Um, but I don't know. I, I think it's really interesting, and it's an interesting place to put her. Like it was very. I liked how they shot the typing montage with Betty. The yeah. way that Machen directed that, I thought that was really good. And it it felt like it came out of a lot of stuff we were talking about with Betty, where she is like the rest of them trying to find her true self and explore her true self. Like, you know, Featherhead rightly says. I mean, he says it in a very mean way about like, as a teenager, eventually maybe you'll find something worth saying. But the more positive way of looking at that is as a teenager, you are figuring out what is your voice and what is the thing you want to say. And that's what Betty gets out of that conversation. And that's what pushes Betty forward to make this Teenage Mystique thing. It's the sort of thing that could potentially be used to crystallize a lot of the themes she's been dealing with, with sexuality, with femininity, et cetera, et cetera.
0: And I think we're going to get that. But to your point, to have a little bit more of it, it would have been cool to see a montage of of Jughead and Ethel distributing their comics at the same time Betty's distributing her pamphlet, Mm -hmm. sort of showing the the twinning of the storylines. Because I do think it's the same idea, especially where the episode ends with the comic book burning is everyone's Finding their voice, finding their passions, and using that to, to eventually rise up against it. All, all these conservative parental principal forces are like, don't do that. But they're going to have to just get them. Yeah. And that's why I like your point. You're saying, like, Featherhead basically sows the seeds of his own destruction by being like, you're going to find your voice eventually. And they're like, got it. We're coming <laughs> for you, <laughs> asshole. Yeah.
1: Uh, what uh, else? A couple oh, other yeah.
0: things um, I'm to say. The um, I love the when Cheryl is like, who would try to expose me? Immediately knows it's Evelyn Ever and Ever. Mm-hmm. And we get this scene where, because originally when she was introduced, she was someone masquerading as a teenager, and in this scene, they dress Evelyn like she is a forty-year-old <laughs> woman who <laughs> also goes to this school. And I thought that was just a funny, maybe purposeful callback to be like, maybe yeah, it- she's. It was, it was It was strange, but I was like, You look wildly much older than everybody else,
1: yeah, I feel like they changed her hair from her last appearance, yes. too. Um, She did. Yes. Uh, Still really like the actress. She's great. Um, It's not a comment
0: on her physical appearance. It truly is the way they styled her and they gave her like a 50s, like an older woman in the 50s outfit to wear. Mm -hmm. Like she looks almost like she's going to a funeral or something while everyone else is dressing like a
1: teenager. Well, listen, maybe part of the point there is like you keep saying – she is she's part of the adult faction. She's part she's, of the oppressive choosing, forces. I, yeah, th- I
0: think a hundred percent that that's why it feels deliberate that they did that. Yeah.
1: I also like her as a foil to Cheryl this season instead of Betty. Yeah. That's something that struck me during these yeah. scenes as well. But they work really well together. It's and it's also a very different dynamic the previous Evelyn versus Betty versus this Evelyn versus Cheryl. But I'm enjoying it. It's good stuff. I yeah. uh, wanted to give a shout-out to one line that happens earlier in the episode. I love the whole scene when Hiram comes and visits everybody at Riverdale High and gets introduced to them. All the different reactions of like, wow, a, a big star from Hollywood. Yeah. And Cheryl's line, which is so funny, is she's like, about Omiha. Mm-mm, I really like that show. Especially the first season. It kind of went downhill after that.
0: Just roast. Roast to the, the face, which was great. Also, Kevin, like... Wow! Well, race, but that's
1: legit. That's what everybody says about Riverdale as well. Like, it's uh, a meta commentary on Riverdale, 100%. Uh,
0: hilarious. I didn't pick that up, but that's even funnier. Yeah. And also, what a strange idea that the reputation is it went downhill after season one. This show has only gotten better almost meticulously season <laughs> by season, I feel like. Yes.
1: Well, definitely more ludicrous, at the very least. Like, whatever you think about the show, it has become... Yeah, it's become something different. It's become its
0: true self. It's found its voice, Alex. It's rising up against the people that
1: are are holding it down. You're going to start writing a pamphlet called The Riverdale Mystique, right? Yeah, (laughs) that's the next form of this podcast. Send it to the podcaster next door. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? It's hard to distribute a a pamphlet versus release a podcast uh, just from an internet point of view, but Mm -hmm. I'll figure it out. Yeah. Everybody send me your addresses. Um, I have to touch on one of the more important things here is um, Frank uh, enters. He's almost fully plastic now. He's becoming the Ken. And like I know this is like my weird thing, but he looks more plastic. Well, the way that
1: he is is strange to me. I, I think what it is, maybe what you're taking away, just to throw out a theory here, is – His mouth is tight, like he's holding his mouth tight, and he's doing this growly thing.
0: Yeah, but the mustache and his just face, his cheeks look—he looks like an action figure. Mm -hmm. And my theory is, he's—he's maybe it's a a tie into the Barbie movie. He's fully Kenning.
1: He's Kenning. I Listen, I support you in this theory. I hear you. There is somebody else that he keeps reminding me of, and it's driving me insane because I can't put my finger on it. I feel like I'm not going to get it until like the end of the season. But there's something I keep thinking, like, is it a Phil Hartman character? Is it something Mm -hmm. from, like, Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? Or something like that. Whatever it is, there is somebody he's doing, and I'm going to remember it at some point and be like, Oh, yes, that's 100% exactly what he's performing. But until then, I guess it's Ken from the Barbie movie.
0: Yeah, or maybe the stretchy guy from Toy Story, mm. Stretch Armstrong-esque mm-hmm. uh, guy. It could be that. But I, in that same scene, I love – I mean, it's just so weird. He's like, it's fine to write a poem for your gal. Like, east, west, north, south. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to kiss you right on the mouth. Like, he's like, that's normal, but no more poetry for fun beyond mm-hmm.
1: that. Hilarious weird. It is hilarious and weird. Any other notes from the episode you want to call out in particular? Uh, the other miss thornton scene
0: uh where she's like how did you find me it's the phone book wow nailed yeah. it <laughs> like she i'm probably
1: getting that wrong was that tony and fangs apartment from last season which i think like they switched around a little bit i think
0: they flipped i flipped yeah. the
1: other and shot it the other
0: way but uh yeah i would assume um the, and the, one other thing is, like, we get twice Hiram mentions words have power. Mm-hmm. And then in this scene, Thornton says to Archie, words
1: have power. And I like I, that. I like that as I a really recurring like that. theme. That was good. I also will mention during that scene, I got legitimately nervous that she was going to hand to the Communist Manifesto. <laughs> 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 I would be like, oh, Bold no, turn. it was all true. And now Archie is going to go to jail. Oh, well. Archie becomes a communist. Yeah. I like
0: that she offers him a snack on the way out. That yeah. scene's button is like, get you have a snack? He's like, nah, I ate.
1: I was like, what? <laughs> I thought there was the wrong audio in there or something <laughs> because it's so quick at the end. It, it's such funny. a weird moment. Yeah. Uh, but
0: speaking of uh, audio, I love What's the Dealio from Archie. Uh, Holy Rollers and Cops. Great uh, terminology. And then Jughead at the end, Featherhead's buying comics. He's dipsy doodling us. Uh, As if that was something that people said all the time.
1: Well, let's talk about the end a little bit because there is this bonfire of comics that happens right outside Riverdale High. Jughead talks the whole episode as he does. At least once or twice a season about how there's a fire coming to Riverdale and things are about to explode, et cetera, et cetera. So what do you think is going to happen next? Do you think we are legitimately going to get I've been using the word legitimately too much this episode? Do you think we are going to get legit? Do you think we are going to get that youth rebellion coming up quick or is there are there more steps to come?
0: I think maybe we are two episodes away from that. I think the end of the next episode, I feel like it's been boiling for a while and it's getting close. I think we need another episode to really get Betty's newsletter, Betty's mm-hmm. pamphlet to be the focus. And then I think she'll sort of call for it and then we'll get a big episode two away. I'm thinking could be, could be one or two more, but isn't there just reading the tea leaves of the schedule. We have one more episode and then there's a break.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's I the musical like episode is next week. Then there's the break, and then we have the final six episodes of the series. Yeah, oh boy,
0: very exciting. So I think it's coming. I think
1: it's coming soon. All right, we'll see what happens. Uh, before we wrap up here, let's do MVP of the episode, Justin. Who's your MVP? I got to give it up to
0: K.J. Appa for Archie's monologue. Man, mm-hmm. that was epic. And like I was saying before, that is not an easy task, especially to have to act something, a monologue, a classic monologue in front of all of your castmates is, who are literally in the scene staring at you. So from a character perspective, that's you know stressful. But just you and your friends who you've been working on this show Riverdale for all this time to be like, Buckle up, here comes some very intense acting, and I hope I can nail this,
1: and I thought he did. Yeah, Uh, that's a good one. I'll throw it out to Majin Amick is the MVP Mm. of this episode for directing. She has directed a couple of episodes before on the show. I thought this was a great one. Um, This is definitely a different sort of episode for her. The last two she did, if I remember correctly, were a little more like event episodes. So This is more of... An episode, which is challenging right. in its own way, but I think she kept all the plates running, had some good emotional moments, some very funny moments. Uh, plus, you got Merrick Consuelos, and we didn't even talk about Marisol Nichols coming back Yeah, as Hermione Lodge. Also great. Really good scene. I was bummed that they didn't have all three of them together. I assume that was a scheduling thing. Mm. Or something like that. I would
0: have loved just one crossover scene of them, yeah. like, passing each other in the hallway or mm-hmm.
1: something. Uh, but I thought that was a really good scene with Marisol Nichols and Camila Mendez that was very well done as well. So, overall, good episode of the show.
0: Really good. And I love also uh, Veronica just totally playing Monopoly with uh, Riverdale. She, now she's got the Pembroke under her mm-hmm. control. Again, great possible headquarters for the Youth Revolt.
1: There you go. If you'd like to support this podcast and all the podcasts, we do patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Facebook and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Riverdale, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Riverdale Dark on Twitter, Riverdale After on Instagram, Riverdale After Dark on Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you. After dark. Uh, See you next episode, Mrs.
0: Thornton. Let's go! <laughs> Thornton Trilogy.